Today uh, we begin with a question, <laughs> is there a mess in the house of God? Is there a mess in the house of God? Uh, many of you know I just recently got to take uh, my oldest daughter to Chicago and drop her off at uh, Moody Bible. And so while we were there, we got to uh, go all over Chicago and enjoy beautiful downtown Chicago and uh, all the great buildings there. I even took a tour um, of uh, a river during the Chicago River. We got to take a tour of, uh, of the, the building and see all that, was, that, that, that is there. And it, it is an amazing place. And you think about like, the different architecture. And Chicago is famous for its very large buildings. Uh, it is unlike uh, just about any place else in the world. Um, it also has buildings that are much older, and so you, ha- you get to see like this, uh, this timeline of construction, how things are put together. And so as our, our, our guide was going along, she was telling us um, about even how these buildings are brought together. There's a certain, each one had a certain form, a certain function, and maybe something that was even more unique to Chicago is it also had to have a fit. It had to fit in with the rest of the buildings. And so as we went along, we got to see these magnificent buildings. The first one we went to uh, is called the Merchant's Mart. And the Merchant's Mart was built in the 30s. And it, it, it uh, listen to this, this is crazy. It's four square blocks, city blocks, downtown Chicago. And it has four million square feet. That is a monstrosity. And it's it got it's uh, the exterior is this Art Deco and things it carries on to the inside as well. And it was built because of the uh, the great merchants of the day would fill that place with all the goods from around the world, and it would be dispersed from there and still used today for that same purpose. Four thousand four million square feet at the time it was the largest building in the world, a big box with decorations on the outside of it. Uh, Some years later, it was sold. uh, And in fact, after it was built, uh, it's right when the Great Depression hit. And so they had to sell sell it at a third of the cost, how much it cost to build it to one of the Kennedys. And later it became Chicago's uh, mail room. For all of Chicago, all the mail went through there. But what they found out is because it was so big and so it wasn't constructed for that purpose, that wasn't what, it, what its function was for, they found that it took longer to get mail between the buildings than it did to send things out to other places. So like the mail would arrive in different cities before they could get it across the building. It was huge, but no longer very functional for that. And it's gone back to become this great merchant. Uh, place for merchandise, and it is just, uh, it, it is an amazing place. Another place they took us to is something called the Jewelers Building. It's on 35th uh, East Wacker Street, and it rises up, and it has these four columns to it, and it is a place where, uh, and, and even today, where the jewelry and fine diamonds came in, and so it was constructed because uh, they knew that they needed to keep all those very valuable safe, so it had an elevator that you would drive, in, drive your car into, your armored car into, and it would take you to the right floor because they didn't want any funny business on the street. And you can imagine in Chicago, sometimes there's a little funny business. And so inside this huge building is a car lift that moved vehicles up and down so as to keep those things safe. 
It had a certain form to it. And then you looked at all the different buildings and, and how they worked together. Um, how, like, one building would be built 30 years after another, but it would take on kind of the shape of the one next to it, even though it's a different kind of style. They all fit together. As we went down uh, the, the river, we saw uh, different kinds of glass. There's one glass that is as green as the water that we, are, we, we were riding on, and it was meant to fit in, fit in with the river. The latest uh, style is that of blue glass. They don't know what they're gonna call it because we haven't gone past it yet, but it's all blue glass, so it looks like it's the sky. There's even one that as you drive, as you go past it, they say, now when you look up, you're gonna look and see this, this tinted glass that is now facing you, and so as we went past it on the river, we could see ourselves in the building, a building that reflected not just the scenery around, but reflected us as well. Form function, and fit. Today we're going to talk about a different kind of building, and that would be the temple of God. What is the form, function, and fit of the temple of God? Turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 19. We just have a couple of verses here that we're going to focus on. And, and Jesus is on his way to uh, his death, and his resurrection, and he is on his way to Jerusalem, and there in Jerusalem he comes to the temple. When he comes to the temple, it says in verse 5, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. You know, when I got this sermon, I was so excited. When I, when I got this passage, I, I, this is the next kind of part in the message. And, 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 and Justin, you know, like when you read something, you catch a little snippet and you're just like, oh, man, I'm going to be preaching about the house of prayer. Man, we're going to be talking about prayer. And, and as I studied, I realized it's really not about that. You see, when Jesus comes into the temple, this is also reflected in Mark chapter 11, Jesus enters into the temple, into this holy place of God, the place where they would come and worship. The place where there was an outer court for the Gentiles. I think we even have a picture. Can you put the picture of the temple there? There was a, an outer court for, for the Gentiles. There was an inner court for, uh, for the women, where, where the women and men could mix together. And then you had a, a court inside of that, and a court inside of that, the Holy of Holies. A place for the, the priests to do their work of sacrifice on behalf of the people and on behalf of themselves. The Holy of Holies, where the high priest would go and meet with God in, the pres in his presence once a year. And so Jesus goes through this temple, and he goes through the temple, and he sees that in the court of the Gentiles. And so you can see to the top of this picture there, um, that big area is the court of Gentiles. And then to the, the bottom area here is also the court of the Gentiles. So a pretty large space to include other people, right? And so... He went through the court of the Gentiles, and there they were changing money. They were buying and selling animals. And he, he, we don't see this in, in Luke, but we see in, 11, in chapter 11 of Mark that he turns over the tables and he takes a whip. And he begins to throw everyone out of the temple that, was worship, that were, were working in that degree. You know, when I used to hear about this as a kid, we, we used to apply this. The, the, the people in our church used to apply this to kids who were selling those uh, candy bars. 
that had the McDonald's uh, freed french fry. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like we bring those to church and they said, no, Jesus wouldn't have that at church. But I think it's something more than that, right? As Jesus is clearing out the temple, he calls this place his house. And that it is not appropriate to do these things in his house. If you were to uh, go to Walmart and go, you know how the, uh, the uh, electronic section is a little bit different. If you were to walk over there and some guy said, hey, come here. You walk over there and he pulls out his jacket and he says, want to buy a watch? And then you have somebody else over your shoulder come and say, hey, hey. The guy runs off. And the guy who's, hey, hey, chases him out the store. Who's the guy, hey, hey? Who do you think he is? Assistant manager, associate manager, manager, like, right? Why? Because he is in charge of that store. You might have, might have Rod chasing him. Hey, security guards coming after him, right? Because that's not appropriate in this place. And so the person, nah, I wouldn't have gotten mad at him. I'm checking the prices, you know? But other people are chasing him out, right? Because they have authority in that place. And Jesus comes and he says, now this place where all these things are happening, all this, oh, I lost my picture there. Uh, all of this buying and selling is happening. This is my house and it's not appropriate. And so he pushes everyone out. And so the Pharisees and the scribes said, wait a minute, we thought this was our house. And Jesus says, no, no, this is my house and I make the rules. And that's not appropriate in this place. And he says these things. Now, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a, a den of robbers. You see, when Jesus says house of prayer and den of robbers, it like clicks something. If you know, if you're like one of those guys in the temple, that clicks with you. It's a, it's a catchphrase. It's a byword. It's like, it's like today if we were to say, uh, now, now my house is, now, now this place reminds me of the Statue of Liberty. And this place reminds me of 9-11. You say those things, and lots of pictures are conjured up in our minds. When you think about the Statue of Liberty, you think about this place that's freedom for all, that it welcomes the world to come in. And that's much like what Jesus is saying here. Because the rest of Isaiah 56, when he's quoting a house of prayer, is really a, a prayer to all nations to come to the temple. And then it's an opportunity for all nations to come and know the God of Israel. You see, so when Jesus says, my house is meant to be a house of prayer, what he's saying is, you're supposed to be a light to the nations. But what are you doing in the temple of the Gentiles, in the court of the Gentiles? You're buying and selling. And because of your own greed, your desire to, to do the, 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 the activities associated with my house, that you've forgotten the purpose of my house, the function of my house. Part of the function of my house is for the Gentiles. So they will come in and they will know how good I am. And Jesus has to say, you, you're, you're destroying the worship of the Gentiles. And the scribes and Pharisees are probably like, so? But you see, the Gentiles are dear to Jesus' heart as well. You've gotten so busy with temple stuff that you've forgotten those that I care deeply about. And Jesus will have none of it. His second, his 9-11, his den of robbers. That's another 
catchphrase. It comes from uh, Jeremiah 7, uh, 8 through 11. Listen to this. Now, this is, this is the first temple. You know, there, were, there was a first worship at a place called Shiloh. And then the children of Israel were established in Jerusalem at the temple. Uh, the temple of Solomon was built. It's later destroyed. And then we have the, the uh, temple built by King Herod. So here we are in the first temple, Temple of Solomon. And here is the words against that temple. Listen to this. Behold, you trust in deceptive words to no avail. He's speaking to the people of God. Behold, you trust in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known, and then come stand before me in this house? which is called by my name and say, we are delivered. Only to go on doing all of those abominations. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, I myself have seen, have seen it, declares the Lord. Go now to my place that was in Shiloh, where I made my name, my name dwell at first, and see what I did to it because of the evil of my people Israel. Do you, are you getting it here? Jeremiah has been saying to the people in the sixth century, six centuries before, he is saying to the people, look, you, you know, you come to this place, you come to Solomon's temple to worship, but your hearts are far from me. You, you act like there is no God, but then you come into the house and you say, hallelujah, hallelujah. You act like you're my people, but your hearts are far from me. And so he says, do you remember what happened at Shiloh? I destroyed Shiloh. And what's going to happen to this temple? It's going to be destroyed too. You see, because the people of God were not living like the people of God. They had forgotten what the purpose of the temple was. They had forgotten their God. They lived like, like the world. And now they came in acting as if that was okay. And Jeremiah says, it's not okay with God. And there will be consequences. And so what happens? The temple is destroyed when they, and they're sent off into, uh, into bondage. They come back, the temple is rebuilt, and now here's Jesus once again. He's saying, you see this temple? And in fact, right before this, as Jesus is entering Jerusalem, he begins to weep. He begins to weep because he knows that Jerusalem will be destroyed and the temple will be destroyed in 70. And it's because the people of God are receiving the judgment of God because there's mess in his house. That's a little disturbing, isn't it? House of prayer. It is a place that is meant for worship. A, meant, a place that is meant for us to give our prayers to God, to offer our sacrifices before Him, to be forgiven. It is a place in which we invite the world to come and see how good God is. But Jesus goes to the temple and says, this is not happening here anymore. This is broken. You can't do this in my house. And sure enough, in 70 years... The temple is destroyed, and Jerusalem is destroyed. 
Okay, we need some good news, don't we? <laughs> it's pretty heavy. Because the rest of the story goes like this. Jesus then finds himself seven days later, uh, five days later on the cross. And there he dies on the cross. And when he dies on the cross, what happens to the temple? There's, the veil is ripped within the temple. There's a great shaking of the earth. God is literally shaking the world by its foundations because there is a new day that has come in which he is opening the veil so that we can have fellowship with him. Jesus goes to the cross and he is, his, bled, his, his blood is shed for you and me so there need not be another sacrifice. You see, the temple is no longer the temple anymore. It can't serve those same functions because those functions have been completed in Jesus Christ. Amen. So we don't have to keep making sacrifices to God because Jesus is the sacrifice. He has opened the way that we all have access to God. Jesus says, now this temple, he speaks of himself, will be, will be destroyed and I will build it up again three days later. Three days later, there's going to be a new day. And see what Jesus calls the temple now? What does he call the temple? He said he is the temple, this temple. But then we see that not only does Jesus say that he is the temple, he helps us understand now the temple is something different. It's no longer a fixed place. You notice how our church doesn't look like that picture at all, does it? It kind of looks like a gym. I don't know if you've noticed that. It definitely has the ar architecture of the period of gyms. But we didn't care, right? It's not like we're trying to replicate the temple because Jesus is our sacrifice. Jesus is the one who's made a way for us. Jesus is the one we can pray to and through. We don't have to go to a priest. We have direct access to God. Now, it even gets crazier because Paul's then going to say, that the church, Ephesians 2.20, Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And now these people, these people, not this building, is now his church, his building, his temple, his house. So it's important what we do here, right? Because this is a place of prayer. This is also a place where we invite the world to come. Like we make room for the world, that we are calling them into a new light, a new way of life. I think we have to ask ourselves, we should regularly ask ourselves, is this a house of prayer? Is this a place where we are, well, I'm thinking about that boat ride in Chicago now. As you go past that one building, you look up into it and you see yourself. Is this a place where we just come to look at ourselves? Hello. We come to think about ourselves only? Or is this a place where we come and we look towards the heavens and we meet with God? Are you expectant when you come in here? Are you expecting to meet with God, to know him as the people of God? He calls us now the house. I pray that we don't have a mess in the house. But then... Then again, in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says, there's another temple I want to talk to you about. And he says, now you, 
are the temple of the living God. You are the temple of the living God. So now he says, that ripping of the veil has also allowed now the Spirit of God to live within us. So now we are walking temples of God. Now, that is both good news and a heavy weight. Because remember, Jeremiah is saying, look, look at all of this stuff here. That you're, you're, you have forgotten God. You've lived this way, but yet you come to the temple of God. You, you know, when, whenever we see 1 Corinthians 6 and we see Ephesians chapter 2, when it talks about the temple of God, it seems like, and this is a, a message for some later time, that oftentimes sexual immorality is that thing that he says, now be careful of because you are the temple of God. And so it seems like that's, a, that's an often, often offense of the people of God. How can you mix this immorality and the temple of God? And there's a whole list of other things that we, we can't mix like that. That's not what we were created for. This temple, that temple, that temple is not made for those things. It's made for something much greater. That's an overwhelming weight, isn't it? Especially as we struggle with those sins that Jeremiah is talking about. But the good news is that the Spirit of God is living within us to will and to work for His good pleasure. That He is going to bring about holiness in our life. Are you looking to Him? Finally, this this last part of us as being temples and us as being temples. We also have to make place in our lives, in our hearts, for those who are outside the people of God. Like that becomes part of our call to invite others to come and see, to know who God is. When Jesus makes a command in Matthew 28 to go into the world and make disciples, It's for this kind of reason that he is going to be a blessing to all nations through his temple, through his people. So do you have an eye for your neighbor? Are you inviting others to come and see what God has done? Have you told them the good news that Jesus has made a way for you and for me? Is there a mess? In the, in the house of God. As you do a self-evaluation, look in the mirror. What's your form, your function? Do you fit? Ephesians 5 tells us, be imitators of God. Are you an imitator of God? Do you fit in with this heavenly story? Are you following the functions of God? of worship, ministering to others? Are you looking like the world? Today, maybe Jesus has walked into your temple, even in this place. There's some things that he needs to knock over. Amen? There's some things that he needs to break up. Not because he doesn't love us, because he loves us. And that's not fit for his house. 
And he wants to relieve that because it's crowding out other things that are more glorious. And today we're going to ask him, Lord, have your way. Knock those things down. Beat things up in my life. I don't want them any more than you do, Lord. Remove those from us. Today I believe it's a word of good news that he comes for those things to bring you relief and to bring you joy in our Lord. We as a church need to be aware that God wants, he wants so much for this place. Let us have like a, a divine vision for what God is doing in the city for these people out here and in us.